Thank you for joining us for the Redemption Church podcast as we go through a series with Pastor Daniel called Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're at tonight. And uh, we're in week two of a six-week series. It was going to be five, but I'm going to have Pastor Robin share as well. A six-week series on lessons learned from a sabbatical. Lessons learned from a sabbatical. Interesting for us as a church, we're doing topical series. It's hard to be able to share these uh, testimonies, scriptures, important things. But we know looking at Paul's life that testimonies are important. Guys, you and the work that God is doing in your heart is important. Just as I'm leading the way, sharing stories and examples and things that God's teaching me is getting revelation, I want you to be doing the same. Matching scripture and your testimony and preaching the gospel and building people up. And so we see this important aspect of Paul's life of him just being able to give people reports uh, to build them up. And that's sort of the idea of this series is to give you a report of what are some things that God did in our heart? What are some passages, things I'm thinking about and, and processing? And, and I was thinking about this other verse that Paul shared in Romans chapter one. Uh, Romans chapter one, verse one, uh, verse 11 and 12. He says this, it's some personal information. He says, for I long to see you. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be, uh, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Uh, as I was thinking about testimonies and Paul sending people to get report, Paul also did a strange thing, I think for some men, is he shared his feelings and expressed his heart. You know what I'm saying, ladies? You know what I'm talking about. You talk about that all the time. But Paul actually was one that was a leader of the church. And rather than being, I mean, we know that he was a super uh, amazing man of God, planted so many churches, did so much for the Lord. But part of his ministry was using his mouth to speak the gospel and to speak encouragement in words. And I just thought about that, of the value of letting people know that they are loved. And just wanted to make sure I wrote in my notes, I missed you all. I love you. It's great being the pastor of this church. I'm happy that you're here. It's so encouraging. Now listen, I understand there's a few empty seats around us, but you're here and I'm happy about it. Because you know, when I was gone on sabbatical, not just me, but when we were gone, the whole family, we all missed you. So much so when I was talking about Jeremiah, we'd visit another church and be like, you want to go? And Jeremiah's like, is it Redemption Church? Psh, then I'm not going. No, those people. I want to go to my church. Some of you guys know this because he actually came while we were here in Delray and me and Laura had to sit like kids, children in punishment, not be around you guys. They, the kids were like, well, that's your guys' sabbatical, not ours. We're going to church because they love you. They care about you. They miss you. And you know what? The, the purpose of the sabbatical was to retreat, to uh, abide in Christ, to be pouring into the family, silence and solitude. But man, I'm telling you, it sure made me appreciate fellowship. I don't know if you noticed this through COVID-19, but hasn't that made you appreciate fellowship? To actually open up your house, give someone a hug, say hi. There is actually something beneficial for you to be a part of this church and us to be leading this church. There is things that take place. It's not just I miss teaching and leading worship and, and leading. It's actually I missed your gift. Just your presence, your faithfulness, what God is doing in your heart to pray for you, do you pray for us, and just the fellowship we have in one another. Let's not take that for granted. And that's something that stood out to me in this sabbatical. And I'm grateful that we missed you. I'm grateful that um, we have a, a fellowship that loves one another, that I could lead a church to not only do the things God called you to do, but to do them in love. 
I think that's a primary command of God. He said, love him and love other people. And that's, we need to make sure we focus on that. As we think about even this text in Matthew chapter six and what we're gonna talk about tonight. And so we're gonna continue our series. And I hope that these personal testimonies and um, topical messages are blessing you as we just go along um, some things that God has taught me. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to not just tell you the things that God has taught me, but I'm trying to impart to you a principle as well for you to process and to think about it. Because y'all didn't go on a sabbatical, but you're here, you're faithful, you want to learn from the Lord. And these are things that we can teach one another as we have fellowship. It's a personal thing. This actually may not apply to the internet, to everyone out there, but it applies to you because we're family and we're in this together. We're a church and we love each other. And so tonight's question I want you to ponder and think about as we study God's word in this passage. I want to be asking this question. Where do you go to get your joy and strength? Where do you go to get your joy and your strength? Now, last week we talked about the importance of abiding in Christ and Jesus from John chapter 15. Giving him glory is the most important thing that we can do. As we go to God, we bear fruit. And man, it's a blessing to be able to go to God. Tonight, we're gonna go a little bit deeper in that same truth, but look at it at a different angle. Different, it's so big it needed two messages. But it's a different angle, a different passage. Matthew chapter six Verse 25 to 33, we're going to look at and study, but we're also going to look at two other verses primarily, one before Matthew and one after Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and then Psalm 16, 11. And I say that because we're going to camp in Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to cover these three verses. And so I want to read them to you, all of them, and then we'll just unpack them, we'll pray, we'll study it together. Matthew chapter 5. Verse six, these are the words of Jesus. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me say it again because it's so short, but it's so good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now let's read the words of Matthew chapter six, verse 25 through 33. It's a longer passage, so we'll read from our Bibles and Study it a little bit longer more tonight. It says, therefore, I tell you, again, this is Jesus speaking. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, stressed out, worried, can actually add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Last verse, Psalm 1611. 
It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Let me read it one more time. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray and let's get into it. I got a lot of notes. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can spend this time worshiping you through your word. We pray you'd give us revelation. Uh, Pray, Lord, that you'd speak prophetically and powerfully into our lives, that you would uh, help us to see this important truth. Lord, we thank you so much for the fruit of the Spirit. We ask for more, more of your presence, more of you. God, that you would continue to teach and give us this uh, important information that you speak and you teach, Lord, not only uh, many years ago, but right now your word is alive and active. So Spirit of God, speak, use me. I thank you so much for your word that we could look at it and all that you're doing, Lord, in our hearts. And so we bless your name and we praise you. May you be glorified through your word. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, again, the question I want you to ponder tonight is where do you go to get your joy and your strength? Now, let's acknowledge this. Joy and strength are needed in our lives. They're needed in humanity. Joy is happiness, but not from a circumstance. It's a from within, uh, despite the circumstance. We all know that uh, the pursuit of happiness is a very good value for us in America, but God actually wants us to be blessed, but not from external things, but from internal things. And so joy comes from within, despite the things that are going on externally. The Bible says that you can have joy in this life, that you could have joy in the Lord, that he wants to do some things inside of you. So that way, when things are going crazy outside, you can actually be happy, blessed, have favor, have peace, have joy. If you remember, remember the words of John chapter 15, verse 11, as we talked about abiding, Jesus said this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, God is the one that gives joy. He is the happiest person on the universe. He does smile upon his children and dance over them. He, he's full of joy and pleasure, and he made these things. And the Bible says that he's spoken us a way to go and how to live and to abide in him, that he actually gives joy to people. He transforms us, and he lives with inside of us so that despite the circumstances, we can have joy. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he transforms our lives, that it's a work of the Holy Spirit from inside our hearts, and it flows out of our lives, and it changes our hearts as we follow him. And the good news of Jesus is that he died for our sin. He rose again, and he gives us his righteousness so we can have fellowship with him, his spirit, and he doesn't change Yesterday, today, or forever. So despite what's going on in whatever century or wherever you live, you can have joy in Jesus. Pretty amazing, pretty awesome. And so the Bible says God's presence and walking in his ways brings us joy. But in this life, I believe that we not only need joy, but we need strength. Joy and strength. Joy is amazing to have, especially in this life with so many circumstances and craziness going on all around us. But to follow God, you also need some strength. You need to proactively move forward despite adversity. You you remember Jesus telling his disciples, you need to wait upon the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8 so you can have some power and strength to move forward. 
God does, uh, does not just want us to be retreating. He wants us to fulfill our purpose and our plan is given us gifts. Once you equipped to go and do things for the Lord. And in order to do that, you all need strength. We need strength to live in this world and to have a great impact. We need strength not to give up, just to keep going. We need strength to be godly, good parents or spouses or just simply to fulfill the vision that God has told us to. And I would say whether you are a Christian or not, if you are a human, you need these things. You need some joy in your life and you need some strength. You need to be able to have a source that moves you forward and gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of peace. Do you agree? Do you have any joy? Do you have any strength? Where do you go for these things? See, the good news is, is Jesus tells us through his word that he gives us this, these things as a source as we look to him. Psalm 107, 9 says, for he satisfies the longing, the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Jesus offers us joy and strength as we seek him, as we look to him. And so we see Jesus teaching us this as he shares the ways of God and the kingdom on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I'll just let you know, there is an excellent message online by Pastor Robin Shelley. Talks about the Beatitudes, talks about the Sermon on the Mount. It's incredible. You guys studied these words through this summer. But the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 5, 6, and 7. And remember, Jesus wants us to give us words so that we would walk with them, so that we would have some benefits in our lives. He hence says, for blessed are those who boom, 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 boom. And he gives us all this instruction, all these ways. He is light. He gives us ways to walk and how to do things. Not in a legalistic, hard way, but he does this because he loves us and he wants us to have some joy. He wants us to have some strength. And verses 2 through 12, or the first 12 verses, are what's known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Their sayings are principles of Jesus to help us be blessed. Examples like, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the weak, the merciful, the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who actually, uh, blessed are those who actually are persecuted. These are sayings, principles, insights, and wisdom on who is blessed, and this is a totally different worldview than what the world tells us. The world does not tell us that we are blessed when we are weak, or when we are poor, or when we are pure in heart, or peacemakers, but God says you'll flourish if you follow these things. And he simply acknowledges how people have favor, find joy, and follow him and get strength. One commentator said, it is important to understand that the Sermon on the Mount does not deal with salvation as such, but it lays out for the disciple and potential disciple how regarding Jesus as king translates into ethics and daily living. Daily living. Remember that. Because oftentimes we want those big mountaintop experiences, but God wants us to continually connect with him so we have continual strength, continual joy, even daily with the Lord. And so verses two through 12, they're attitudes. Attitudes that believers should have, and as they do, they will be blessed. Now the attitude or verse we read in the beginning, I wanna highlight is verse six. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
You know, when we hunger and thirst to do righteousness or to obey God's ways, we can and we will be satisfied. Or to put it another way, we will be satisfied in following God and his ways. This is what he wants you to know today. He wants us all to know this. Christians can hunger for many things. Remember, Jesus said, I am the true vine, but there are false vines. So as a Christian, today you can hunger for righteousness, but tomorrow you can hunger for authority. You can thirst after power. Even as a follower of God, you can go after success or comfort. Or maybe you just hunger after happiness and pleasure, being comfortable, But Jesus wants us to know that we will be filled and satisfied following his ways, his righteousness, and going after him. David Guzik, in his commentary of this verse, says, Jesus promised to fill the hunger, to fill them with as much as they could eat. This is a strange feeling that both satisfies us and keeps us longing for more. You guys all know what I'm talking about, right? With hunger, with being thirsty. Have you ever had the best meal of your life? and then had like thirds and felt terribly sick. And you swore, I'm never gonna eat again. This is just too much, just too much. And then all of a sudden, the next day, you're like, I'm hungry again. I may not wanna eat that meal again, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat a little something else. And then you get satisfied, that's so good, that was amazing. Oh, but it's breakfast time. And I'm just gonna keep on going. It's a weird paradox that we could hunger be satisfied and hunger and be satisfied. In this principle, there is a dependence, a continual hunger and thirsting, a continual choice to what we will partake in. As you guys all know, when you go to a restaurant, what should I satisfy my appetite with? Do I want a burger? Do I want chicken? Do I want steak? Do I want lamb or pork? Yeah, I threw in lamb. We're getting fancy here, okay? We hunger and thirst for so many different things, but he says... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, this principle is a continual lifestyle to keep going to Jesus to be filled or abiding. And now we see ourselves in Matthew chapter 6. Just a chapter ahead, Jesus is still teaching on the same sermon, the same mount, and he's diving deeper. And Jesus reassures us of this promise, this principle, this attitude, and tells us to go to him to be filled, to put him first. Jesus acknowledges our desires, like our thirst and hunger, our needs, our wants, to just living here on this earth. Don't ever forget that Jesus was a man as well, God with us. Him being a man knows as humans that we, we have needs, that we can grow weary, we need strength. He understands our weakness, that we're finite because he made us. And he saw humanity fall and wants to meet that need and provides for our needs. And he wants us to have hope and faith in him. So in verse 25, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Here's the big idea. He says this and he'll say it again. Do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious. Do not be worrisome. Do not be anxious about your life. And when he's talking about life, he's talking about in the physical things of this life. Do not be anxious. Like what you eat or what you drink or the clothes that you put on. Because he says, is not life more than food and body? And we could answer as Christians, yes, it is. Because we are not just physical. We are spiritual beings. 
This is why in verse 30 he says, oh, you of little faith. You recognize your need for physical things, but what about your need for spiritual things? Which is greater? He's not saying that things in this life aren't important, but he is saying that there are more important things than just the physical, that we need to have faith, trusting him. And oftentimes we stress so much over the physical things, but he wants us to have faith in the situation, trusting him who is spiritual to get us through this physical life, that he'll provide for our needs. And we see this example, an amazing teacher. He gives us these stories or parables. And in verse 26 through 30, read it again what he says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them, provides for them, cares for them, loves them. Are you not more valuable than they? I hope you don't ever forget how much you are loved that God cares about you. He knows all your thoughts and he still cares about you. You're precious in his sight. You're valuable. In verse 28, he says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they neither toil nor spin. So he's giving another example from nature. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown, it's a temporary thing, and then they're just throwing the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you live little faith. You don't trust that God loves you, cares for you enough, that he'll provide for these things and so much more. Jesus wants us to know that he cares for us, that he loves us. You know, 1 John tells us in verse 4, verse 19, that God manifested his love for us, that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. We never have to question his love for us. He demonstrated that on the cross. He cares for us so much that we can go to him in faith and be taken care of in this life and the next. And so he tells us not to stress, not to be anxious, not to worry over the things that we think we need, but to go to him instead. Look at verse 31 through 33. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat then, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. They are needs, and he will provide for your needs. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, you and I know in this life it's gotten a little stressful, hasn't it? Have you guys been a little stressed over the last couple of years? Some different situations going on you may have never faced. Maybe our country has never faced. Maybe it has. Maybe it's a repeat. I don't know. Nonetheless, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of stress. And man, mental health is on just a big topic because a lot of people are going through things. Many people are struggling with different reasons. Of course, there's COVID, but there's different reasons. What about just people's marriages? What about the economy, division, racial tension, politics, global awareness that just there's tragedy all the time now. Pray for this country. Pray for that country. There's so much we face. And of course, well, you know, the personal problems you face, your personal disappointment, your personal stuff that you are going through. 
You don't need the news to let you know that there are some real problems out there. Now, with all this going on, it sort of seems harsh that Jesus would say not once, but twice, so don't worry. Doesn't that just like seem non-compassionate about Jesus? He acknowledges need. He even acknowledges that we're weak, that we need stuff, and we do trip out, okay? It's a normal thing to stress out about. If you start looking at all the problems, you should find, you should be just, okay? It is a stressful thing. And he says, so do not worry about it. Do not be anxious about these things. And some of you may say, well, maybe that was back then. Those were simpler times, right? We live in 2021. I have the internet in my pocket. I just know about this going on and that going on. I can't live in a bubble. These things have to bring stress. There's these crazy circumstances all around us. Let me remind you, we're studying the words of Jesus, the master teacher, the rabbi, the one that actually made truth because he is truth. He gives us the greatest principles and teaching and he knows humanity. He's our creator and Jesus wants us to have pleasure to have joy, to have strength, these things that we get going to him. And so he understands our need for joy and how we are fallen creatures, sinful creatures, and we look for anything at times to get these things because we were made to worship. If we are anxious, if we are worried, if we are consumed by something, we as human beings go after those things. We go after those things that we are consumed by and fear and focus on. And actually it affects our behavior. We, when we esteem or meditate on or hold value to, it's another word for the Bible called worship. We give worth to something so big that it controls us and we behave a certain way. And so worship is what we find worth, are worthy of our attention and our source. And Jesus doesn't want our worship to be things in this life. He doesn't want us to be driven by fear, but by faith and trust in him. And oftentimes these things that get us so stirred up, politics, COVID-19, vaccines, mask, no mask, Economics, do I have enough for retirement? What about this? What about that relationship? All these things, he's not acknowledging and saying they're not important, but he is acknowledging and saying there's something more important. You know, I'm reading a, a great book right now by a guy you may know. He's with the Lord right now. His name is Billy Graham. Billy Graham, have, raise your hand if you ever heard of this guy before. Of course, all of you. Thank you. If not, we'll do an altar call right now. Anyways, uh, Billy Graham, it's a book called Nearing Home. Some of you guys know this because I gave this, some of you this book. This is one of the best books I've ever read on purpose and being old. If you have not read this book, and I know there's some of you in this room that have not, Billy Graham, Nearing Home. It's an incredible book. The only book that has made me be excited about being old and acknowledge is the disappointments of your body shutting down and nearing home, going to be with Jesus. And what's that like? and dealing with disappointment, and walking with God faithfully until the end. He wrote it when he was 93. I think it may have been one of his last books before he went to be with the Lord. And it is full of scripture, full of encouragement. I would highly recommend it for you. So much so that after service, if you talk to me, I will buy it for you and give you that book. But he says this, 
in this book, page 134, so you gotta get a little bit in to get some good stuff there. Why is it that money, success, pleasure bring no lasting satisfaction? Why don't they provide us with a solid foundation for successful living, especially as we grow older? Because they ignore one of life's greatest truths. We don't have just bodies and minds, but we also have souls and also called spirits. If we ignore this truth, if we feed our bodies but starve our souls, our lives will be incomplete and unfulfilled, and we will find ourselves weak and unprepared for life's inevitable challenges. Challenges. So sooner or later, the storm of life will overwhelm us, and we will discover that we have built our lives on foundations of sand. And he talks about purpose, even at the old age, but it's an encouraging reminder that what you build your life on, what you focus on, really matters. And the Proverbs would address this. You remember the Proverbs where it says, the beginning of wisdom is what? To fear the Lord. That's a bizarre passage. What do you mean fear? We're supposed to be afraid? Not Sort of, yeah. He's supposed to consume us, that we would actually live for him, that he is that worthy. Because oftentimes what we do is we fear all these things around us. Like, what's the next step? What about my retirement? What about this relationship? And it consumes us, and we don't live wise because our attention and time goes towards those things, and we end up worshiping those things rather than worshiping the living creator. And God, in his love, says, so don't be anxious about those things. They're not, not important, but there's something better and greater that you can give your attention, your time. His name is Jesus, and he is worthy. He holds value, and he deserves our praise. And what we worship will get certain results. Isaiah 26, 3, he says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. And so Jesus says these things of the world aren't bad. We're not to ignore them. It's not like as Christians, we just stop watching the news. Or we just ignore our financial burdens or the social unrest or the things that are physical and the needs and health. They're important. But Jesus is saying they're just terrible gods for you to be anxious over, stress out. And many of us wouldn't click. We wouldn't think about that, that we'd be anxious and so oh, driven by something in fear that actually becomes an idol and we worship it. We need to seek God for our satisfaction and not idols to deal with our stress. And this is why in verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What things? These good things. Seek the kingdom of God, his rule and reign in your life. Don't seek after the solutions for your pain, but seek God not your anxiety, and try to fix the things on your own strength, but go to God and worship him and trust him. And we know this because of the context of the passage. If you look at verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one or love the other, and he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or the other word translation say mammon, this idol of possessions, but rather seek God and worship him. Trust Jesus and give him the time and attention he deserves and seek him first and he will provide and be your stronghold, be your refuge and he will sustain you through these external physical lives. Oh, you little faith, don't forget about Jesus. The prophet Isaiah 
would speak on behalf of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 31. He would say, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint and grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. That's you and I. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with him, wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that worship God and seek his kingdom and his righteousness will be satisfied and have these other things in this life taken care of through him. And I think this is an important point to say. So much so, I think it may be my only point. Good things aren't meant to be God things. Good things aren't meant to be God things. Now, I think you and I know as Jesus followers here in the room, uh, it's pretty clear that we understand about idols. And according to our men's Bible study, that's one of Tony Evans, he says is the, the major thing in the Bible, a theme of that, that God warns us about idols. And it's not good. It's not good to live after sin or our flesh. As Christians, we know this. And we're reminded of this throughout Scripture. Ladies, you're going to start your Bible studying Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, the Bible says, put off all these things like lust and sexual immorality and all these different sins and put on the things of the Spirit and put on Christ. When we live for the flesh and sin, it disappoints. But Jesus, in the context of this passage, isn't talking about the lust of the flesh. He actually affirms the good things in this passage that we need. It's asking us the question, what if we live for good things? And I think this is where it gets dicey. Because it's harder to see good things that are God things. We make good things God things, and that's idolatry as well. Remember Jesus is teaching his disciples and the crowd in the Sermon on the Mount the ways of the kingdom, and he says, seek first my righteousness, seek first me. And this is where our sabbatical comes into play. Story time, ladies and gentlemen. For me, the main objective was to be with God and to invest in my family. I was and still am very careful to not say we went on a vacation, but we went on sabbatical although we had the best vacation of our life and it included a vacation and it was awesome. It was so good. But there was a focus and it was being with God, putting him in the rightful place and practicing spiritual disciplines to meet with God and to hunger and thirst after him. And so out of this desire, there was in me something that I wanted to practice in this season of my life of silence and solitude. We see Jesus often withdrew from the crowd. Luke 5, 16, to pray, to be with the Father. He would retreat and then return. Retreat and return. I was going away to sabbatical to return, but first to retreat and to be with the Lord, to be strengthened, to find my joy, to find my strength in him. And you often see Jesus do this and he gets the right order. You remember when there was the crowd, he was healing people. He goes off and prays. The disciples are looking at him the next morning. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? You went to pray? Okay, great. You did that religious stuff. But there's so many more people. Let's heal. This is the time. And Jesus is like, nah, let's go to the other cities. We need to preach the gospel. This is what my father wants. And they're like, oh, 
No, it's starting to build momentum. What are you talking about? But he got his priority by being with the Lord. And he got his command. He said, anything the Father tells me, do I do? So he had to spend time with the Father in order to do the right things, not the wrong right things. And so I wanted to do a silence retreat so much so, Laura, you know this, I was even looking at plane tickets to like Arizona, Utah, New Mexico area. You may say, what's there? Nothing. That's what's there. No, have you ever been to a desert? It, nothing, man. And they even have monasteries and places and retreat center where there's nothing for miles. And so I was looking for tickets to practice this and actually before I left, prepped and read a few books on silent retreats, solitude, practicing those things. As you guys all still make fun of my phone, that's cool. But in God's providence, he let me have a 24-hour retreat in Connecticut. Not, not in the Southwest, not in the desert. Beautiful place, Connecticut, mystic Connecticut, in a place called Enders Island. You can look it up. It's on my shirt. Brought the shirt from the, the retreat center. Come on, you know, you got to do that. You just roll the sleeves. Enders Island. Now, we had traveled many places, and as we were traveling, Laura, it was a beautiful thing in practice of, um, you know, I control, I, I'm a leader, I do all these decisions, so I said, babe, just pick wherever you want, just do whatever. So it was like a little special surprise as we go up to Maine, East Coast, I would just be like, oh, we're in this area. What's here? I don't know. Let's check it out. I almost waited myself in a lot of research, even though we watched videos about the area, so I could just be surprised and be like, oh, what's going on? So I would do something that bugged Jeremiah. I would get on my Apple Maps, and I would just like zoom in, you know what I'm saying? I would just zoom in and be like, ooh, what's here? Restaurants, coffee, food. And uh, they're up the East Coast along the water where we went. There's a lot of lighthouses. And so I saw this little island, and I was like, okay, well, we had one major thing that we did per day. We would go out to dinner or lunch, or we would go to, like, this little town or, like, go walk on the beach. I mean, it was, like, pretty just awesome, relaxing. There was nothing. It was like, oh, don't do anything today. You want to take a nap? Okay, great. Perfect. So... I was looking at this little map, zooming in, and there was a little island. And I was like, that's sweet. Maybe there's a lighthouse. Let's go drone it. Let's go see what's up. Let's just go out there 15 minutes away. Amazing. Well, it turns out that this island was actually a retreat center. And it was a monastery specifically for pastors, priests to go and get renewed. They had a recovery center there. It was about three, uh, I think three square feet mile or so. I don't know. It was, it was, it was walkable. And it was only 15 minutes away. So I called up this, this, this island and I said, hey, what, um, do you have any room? I'm here for seven days. I need one night. And normally it's like last minute in this and COVID. They're like, oh, I'll just, okay, go ahead. And so I was able to stay on this little island for 24 hours in silence and prayer and just being with God. And it was in the, the first two weeks that we were traveling up to Maine. And this was supposed to be our vacation time. You know what I mean? Like, we're driving, it's road trip, we're traveling up, it's our vacation time, spend some money, hunker down in Maine, seek the Lord then, we got no funds. That sort of thing. But an opportunity came. And so out of our own personal ex expenses, I just, boom, booked a, a night, and it was amazing to just be with God. It was supposed to be vacation time, but we went, I went, out of this desire to hunger and thirst after him. And you know, on that little island, God really confirmed again that we are supposed to be here, Redemption Church and our family, 
in Delray Beach. And God just ministered to me so much as I just was with him in his presence, seeking him. I wrote in my journal this. Weirdly, I feel strengthened not from a certain text or word, but just taking time with God. And throughout that time and throughout the sabbatical, God just kept on reminding me that he was with me. No vision, no direction. Not like, buy this building, we're gonna move here. Just, I'm with you, Daniel. Pleased to you guys. I'm with you. And it brought so much joy, strength, and renewal. Now I bring this up because many times we as Christians, we seek joy and strength and refreshment from good things, but not God. Entertainment, maybe even vacation, sports, friendship. Listen, and there's nothing wrong with vacation. There's nothing wrong with taking naps. They do refresh you physically. And we took many of them. Or going out to eat or being with family and friends. God uses all these things to refresh us but they're not supposed to be our source of refreshment and renewal. God is. And Jesus doesn't want these things to be the ultimate things. So he says, you need to seek me first. And many Christians have amazing vacations and eat great meals and have great friendships and laugh a lot because God knows that we're physical beings and he gives these things to us as we follow him. But Laura and I were reminded of this as we were on this island seeking God in the middle, in the middle, man, of our vacation. Can you believe it? I mean, we were gonna leave three months, be silent, all up in the main area. You know anything in Maine? No, because there ain't nothing over there either. It was awesome. It was silent. There was all this stuff. But then I had to spend money to stay somewhere when I already spent money and had my family stay at a house. So I'm spending extra money. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm supposed to be pleased. But you know what? God was going to meet me. And I hungered and wanted him. And so after the 24 hours came and after the ministry was happening and it was a sweet time, the kids and Laura came to the island because it was close. It was crazy how isolated it was, but yet how in the civilization it was. It was amazing. And we had this picnic lunch and it was amazing. And it was beautiful. And Laura was able to spend time in the chapel because they not only had this beautiful um, area where it was silent, but you can hear like the birds and you can hear uh, like sometimes the ships blowing and, you know, those type of things. But you go in this chapel that there was there and it looked like the chapel from Assisi. No joke. They had bricks from Assisi. It was modeled after that. It was amazing. And it's like terribly quiet. I mean, I didn't like the relics in the the chapel, in the sanctuary. But you could just feel your own breath and your heartbeat. And you just meditate on God and you're in his presence. And it's just awkwardly weird. You're exposed before the Lord. And so Laura was able to go in the chapel. I took the kids and they were bored. And why are we here for nature? You know how teenagers are. Where's the video games? You know, it's like, come on, man. Isn't this beautiful? They, they, they hated me saying, oh, how beautiful. This is beautiful. Beautiful. They hated all that. But it was true. It was very beautiful. So me and the kids did a little nature walk. And beautiful. And Laura was in the chapel seeking the Lord. And the Lord spoke to her. 
And it was the last verse that we read, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God reminded her it was his presence that brought joy. It was at his right hand that brings pleasure. This is important because many Christians, again, can make good things, God things, and they can go to these things, including doing good service or full-time ministry, and try to seek strength from that rather than God. You could even make an idol about this island because it was so beautiful. Well, if I just get back to the island in God's presence, or, or maybe I need to take another sabbatical, or, or maybe like just doing a lot of good things and practicing silence and solitude, or, or reading my Bible more, or praying more. But God promises that spiritual disciplines don't bring joy. Did you know that? Spiritual disciplines are not the purpose The point of practicing spiritual disciplines and practicing even righteousness is to be with Jesus and have him provide and his presence meet you right where you're at. A great example of this is in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter eight, it's a great book where the people come together and they do a lot of great, amazing things. They're exiles and they come back and build a wall. And so the wall was in shambles. Now they have peace and Ezra reads the book before them and they just start weeping and lamenting and mourning and crying. Because what they realize is they're just not good enough. The law was written, and James says, if you sin in even just one, it's over. There is no righteousness. We're unrighteousness before the Lord. But Nehemiah says in verse 10, do not be grieved. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God's presence brings joy, and it brings strength. And so oftentimes when we even read Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verse 6, or Matthew 6, verse 33, that passage where he says, seek righteousness, we think in our minds, okay, good. Do good, be righteous, then we'll have peace, joy, strength, and blessing. Do good, try harder. But there's a problem, because that doesn't sound like very good news to you and I, does it? Because no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you just will not cut it. The Bible says there is no one righteous but one, the Lord, Romans 3, 9. Even righteousness, it's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. And so we don't do righteousness to find joy and strength. The Bible tells us that there is a righteous one, Jesus himself, that we are to go to in his presence. There we'll find the fullness of joy. There we'll find pleasures forevermore. There we'll find strength. That when we seek him and his presence, we'll be satisfied and he brings these things. The gospel says now we can be righteous in Christ, in him. That's why we have to seek him first, his ways. Because when we simply make him Lord and be in his presence, it brings joy and strength because we find healing, we find forgiveness, something we all don't deserve but get by his mercy and we need in this life. And we need to continually remind ourselves that he satisfies not our righteousness or our own efforts. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness and we'll be satisfied, how do we go and get righteousness as a believer, as the ways of God? Do you try harder? 
Do you just read your Bible more? That's not gonna cut it, Christian. See, it's so easy for us to just be like, well, don't sin, do a whole bunch of good stuff. But good things can also be bad things because you make them God things. Even as a pastor, you can make ministry a God thing. That's your identity, that's where you go. Or man, I just, I've been going to church and I missed Sunday in a whole year, even through COVID and blah, blah, blah. And you end up having weight on you because the pressure's on you and not in Christ. But he bore that for us. He gives us his joy. And through that joy, we find strength. James 1.17 says he's the giver of all good gifts and through the gospel, the best gift that he ever gave us is his presence. And through this sabbatical, I learned experientially the fruit of just being with God, not doing, and finding joy and finding strength. Just being. It brought joy, it brought strength, it brought refreshment and renewal. And so where do you find your joy and your strength? Maybe you have been going after things of the flesh. Maybe you have been going to what culture tells you and how you're gonna find happiness in relationships or with your finances. But maybe you've just made some good things, some God things. Maybe you just idolize your children or put your identity in your generosity or what you do rather than who you are. Our righteousness is in Christ. And I pray that you would go to his presence and apply the gospel of not doing but just receiving his love. And as we received his love during the sabbatical, we were strengthened. We were renewed. There was joy. And I believe that brings God a lot of glory when we just stop worrying and go to him. He says, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. David said in Chronicles 16, 10, and 11, glory in his holy name. Not in your own effort, not what you do, not in your spiritual disciplines and all the righteous deeds you do, but let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. And so, man, that's what I want our church to be about. It's the mission of our church to pursue and proclaim him. To make sure that we're abiding, that we're seeking him. And even in the good stuff that we do, it's not, we're not getting our identity or affirmation of those things that we do, but enjoying him. Praising his holy name and celebrating the gospel. And so let's do that as we close in communion. The worship team wants to come on up. We can trust that God forgave our sin and we can enjoy his presence. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is what the gospel is. The gospel said that Jesus came according to scripture he died according to scripture and he rose again. Sin separates you from God. Isaiah 59 two says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. You need an intercessor. You need a sacrifice. You need atonement and you cannot do it on your own. We go to Christ and we seek him in his kingdom and we submit Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit. We're bankrupt. We can't do anything on our own. And this is why we thank Jesus and we come together by his grace. We take communion. We remember, man, we could just be ourselves before God. How refreshing is that? We're broken, we're messed up. But in this text, Jesus says, but I still love you. I still care for you. It's not what you do. It's who you seek. Don't seek the physical things. Oh, you little faith, seek me. 
And now we can be in the presence of God as we trust the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. So let's celebrate that. Let's enjoy his presence. Let's understand what we're doing as we worship Sunday by Sunday, week after week, day by day. It's an amazing, incredible thing. And it will bring joy and it will bring strength to you. So let's pray and worship. God, we thank you so much for your presence. We pray, Lord, just in these last moments that we would enjoy your presence. Lord, that we wouldn't try harder and do more, but we would just enjoy you and exalt you and put you in the rightful place, preeminent, as Colossians says. I thank you, Lord, for being our joy, being our strength. We pray, Lord, that as we take communion and celebrate that, Lord, we repent of our sins. That being in your presence, Lord, does cause us to be holy, does cause us to walk in righteousness. These things do follow worship. But Lord, we do them from a different motivation of love. Not to earn favor, but from favor. Help us to see that. Give us that revelation. Let us glory in your name and all that you've done so that we would not boast of our salvation, of our works, of our own strength, but in our weakness, you were strong. I pray for those listening or even watching online, Lord, that right now they would realize that and surrender to you, repent of their sin and believe that that you can give them a relationship, Jesus, with the Father. That they could know you and believe on you and be saved. And so we pray for salvation. We pray for our own hearts that you would purify us. Now we just enjoy your presence and we look to you, Lord, as we just take communion and sing and worship your good name. It's in your name we pray, God. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.